We are nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It has been a long time in the making to get to this point. This has been an absolutely powerful and awesome sermon that was given by God Himself, Jesus. And we have covered so many different uh, topics and in this sermon, and now we near the end. And as we near the end, what you'll notice is that the intensity picks up just a little bit. Actually, you could say quite a bit, because we're going to see in these last remaining verses that finish this chapter out that there are great warnings, there is great uh, caution that we as Christians are to have, and There is some of the most terrifying verses that are in all the Bible that are still to come in in this chapter, chapter 7 of the Gospel according to Matthew. But we're not going to get to all that tonight. Uh, We are going to pick up in verse 13. We're going to go all the way down to verse 20. And we'll save the rest for another day, good Lord willing. Some of these verses you'll hear tonight are probably pretty familiar to you. You've heard them before. Uh, But let's look at them tonight, Um, take ourselves back and pretend that we are there on the mountainside that day and pretend that we are hearing this for the first time. Let it be new in our hearts and we pray that God would open our hearts to these verses. Uh, Like I said so many times, I think some some of the most dangerous things and some of the dangerous mindsets that we as Christians have is that we get complacent in verses that we have heard quite often. We think we have them all covered. We think, you know, we just kind of yeah, know what that means. And we, we just get comfortable in them. Well, we pray that we don't do that tonight because some of these verses, like I said, are familiar to us, but uh, we're to look at the depths of it tonight. Uh, maybe learn something we haven't before and, and help us grow. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, reading down to verse 20, says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits." Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. Lord, it's such a blessing to be here. At the start of this day, we set our eyes on this service, Lord, to to be able to come and to worship together with your people and to learn more about you. Lord, because as we know more about you, we come to love you more. And we become to worship you more sincerely, and we continue to grow in our walk, being conformed into your image. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see the truths of these verses tonight. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us greater understanding, 
to what is in view here in these verses. And Lord, let it pierce our souls. Lord, and let us grow. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we come to these first two verses of the evening, verse 13 and verse 14, we begin to compare. And we're going to compare gates. We're going to compare ways. We're going to compare different things in these two verses. We're going to compare the size of the gates. We're going to compare the width of the ways or the paths. We're going to compare the nature of the ways, the travel size, the number of travelers on each path. And we're going to compare the destination of each path. And that's what we're going to start to look at as we look at these verses, verse 13 and 14. We're going to do a little bit of comparison, if you will, as we see what our Lord is teaching. We'll read them again. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. The first thing we'll compare tonight is we will compare the gates or the doors. One is narrow and one is wide. It says that one is narrow and small and the other is wide. And this narrow gate, this small gate, it refers to Christ. Do you remember in, in John chapter 10, in verse 7 and 9, when we were talking about the good shepherd, he says, I am the door of the sheep. We see that this door that is narrow, this gate that is narrow and small, refers to Christ, and it shows the exclusive nature of salvation. There are not many doors that lead to salvation. There are not many doors that lead to eternal life. There's not many doors that lead to the Father. There's only one. It is exclusive in nature. It is small. The other door, the other gate, has many ways to get to that path, the broad path, because anything goes. And we see that today that we live in a world, including a so-called Christian world that the Christian church so often proclaims and that there's many ways. That's what the world tells us, that there's one God and many ways to God. We even see some so-called preachers or leaders that will say that same thing, which is absolutely heresy. There's only one way to the Father. It is through Christ. That door is small because it's only one. It's through Christ. It is that gate. And we see this. This is an exclusive nature of Christ and salvation. Look what Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It's exclusive. It is a one-way door, and that door is Christ. He's the only name. He's the only way. We see that he's the only mediator between God and man. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 tells us. So the first thing that we compare is the gate. One is broad and one is narrow and small. Then we begin to look at comparing the width of the ways. One is narrow and one is broad. And again, the narrow way is referring to Christ. So those who enter through the narrow door or the narrow gate through faith in Christ then enter on this path in this way that is narrow. 
This is referring to Christ. We believe in Him. We obey Him. We walk in sanctification. We're separate than the world. This is the narrow path that we are to walk. It comes first as we enter through the narrow door, the narrow gate, as His sheep will go into, and then they will follow Him on this narrow way. I think it's interesting here that we see that we first find that the Christians that we know today were first called Christians in Antioch. We find that in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. That is where the term Christians was first used in the Bible. That's where we find that record. But before they were called Christians, followers of Christ were referred to as the people of the way. And you can find this. uh, I've listed those verses on your sheet there. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. Acts 19, verse 9. Acts 19, verse 23. Acts 22, 4. And Acts 24, 14. All those are references that will tell you that the people that followed Christ before they were labeled Christians were called people of the way. And they get this because, as Jesus says in John 14, which we're quickly approaching in our study of the gospel according to John, we find this. Jesus himself declares that he is the way. He declares he's the gate, the door, and he also declares he's the way. We find this in John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. This is Jesus at the Last Supper in the upper room speaking to the disciples. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you will know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, we see in this verse that he is the narrow gate. He is the narrow door. And he's also the way. It's an exclusive nature of Christianity that it is through Christ and Christ alone. So we see that the gates are different. One is wide and one is small and narrow. We see that the way or the path is different. One is narrow and one is broad. The next thing we look at is the nature of the ways. What do I mean by that? Well, it's going to tell us here in a little bit that there's going to be many that find and are on this broad path. And why is that? Because in our fallen state, in our nature that we are born into. You remember what Ephesians tells us? We are by nature deserving of wrath. You see, when we are born into this world, every human being starts on that broad path. By nature, that's the path that we're on. It's the path that leads to destruction. It's the path that is of the world and of the devil. It is the path that leads to destruction, damnation, and wrath unless we're rescued off this path. This is the natural path. By being born, this is your path. And unless something happens, you and I would have stayed on that path. And that's, that's the way with anybody, any human that has ever been born. Unless something happens, this is the natural path that you will go, and you will go all the way to hell. So if this is the natural path, 
How does that compare to the narrow path or the narrow way? Well, how did we get to the narrow way? It's not by our own nature. It's by super nature. It's supernatural. The means that brings us to this narrow path. Because it is only those who have been born again that enter through this gate and walk on this narrow path. And we know that that is what is in view when we talk about regeneration or being born again. That word comes into the language, born from above. We know that the flesh profits nothing, but it is the Spirit that gives life. It is a supernatural working of God to bring us from death to life. It is a supernatural event and a process that takes place when we are transferred from the path that is broad the natural path, into the narrow path, which is brought about by supernatural. One is natural, one is supernatural, because it's from above to which anyone who walks on this path that is narrow gets to that path. So not only would we see that the gates are different sizes, we see that the widths of the ways are different. We see the nature of the ways are different. But we also see that the traveler size is different. I think this is very important that all of us as Christians need to know that it tells us which path will be easier to find because it's by nature our path and which one will have the most occupants traveling on it and which will have the least amount of occupants. And the one that is has the broad and the wide gate, the one that is broad in its way or path, the one is by nature, that is the one that has the many. This is the way of the world. This is the way of our fallen state. This is the way of the devil. And the Bible tells us that there are many who enter through it. I think that's a rea reality and a realization that we need to know as we walk as Christians on this narrow way Sometimes we feel like the minority for a good reason. As we walk on this road and we look over and we see the other road paralleling, and as we're walking through life, we're on this narrow road and we look to the other road and we see that it is full and we see that it is packed and we see that it has so much room for people to walk. If we're not careful, we start to look and maybe think, well, it's the majority, so they could be right. Well, just because the majority doesn't mean it's right. But what it means is we must be bold because we will be the minority. We must stand against the majority. We must stand against the world. We must stand as outcasts and exiles in this world because this path that we're on, few be there that find it. This, is, this way is easy. The broad way is easy. Because this is the way we're on from birth. This way allows us to continue in our fallen nature. It allows us to continue in sinful desires. It does not require repentance. It does not require self-denial. It does not require cross-bearing. It's easy. The world gives you everything that your fallen state and your nature wants. This is the easy path. You don't have to do anything to be on this path except for be born and be in this fallen state. The majority of people will be on this road. The narrow way is less travelers. We must know that. But that's okay. 
And I'll tell you why it's okay. Because the destination of these two ways are completely different. Those who are on the broad way, even though it may look in this world that they are having the best way, do you know where this road leads? To destruction. This road leads to hell. This road leads to the immutable wrath of God. This is the path that is broad. This is the path that is by, our, by nature the one we're on. But the destination is death. The destination is destruction. But those who enter through Christ, trust the narrow way, their destination, that path ends in a different scenario. That path ends in a different destination. It ends dwelling with God. It ends with eternal life. The destination that we are on, this narrow way, is sometimes filled with hardships and struggles and pain and persecution. But it's absolutely worth it. Because the destination is with God in a place where there is no heartache, no more pain, no more sin. We will dwell with Him forever and we will see Him as He is. We must know these things. This is what Jesus is telling His disciples. Listen, the road that you're on, when you believe in Me, the road that you're on is narrow and it is hard. And there are struggles And that may bring heartache and persecution because you're on this narrow road. But you keep looking and knowing that the destination is worth it all. You see, it's a supernatural road brought about by the supernatural means of grace. As we put our trust in Jesus and we follow him until we reach our eternal home. That's what he's saying here to the disciples, and that's what he's telling us. This is a reminder for us as we walk in this world. Keep walking on that road. Yes, it's narrow. Yes, it's tough. You know, there's some translations of these verses that say that the way is easy to broad, for the broad way, but it is difficult for the narrow way and that is absolutely true. It is absolutely true, but don't get discouraged. If we know these things, we can be prepared, we can have the right mindset, and we can keep putting one foot in front of the other as we follow our shepherd as he's leading us home. Remember, we talked about that in John 10. He goes ahead of us, not behind us, and he leads us. And the place he's leading us to is our eternal home with him. Be encouraged by that. Keep persevering. And then we turn to verse 15 and it says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but, are inward, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their 
fruits. If you were with us when we went through Second uh, Peter, it was a while ago, I know, but we got to chapter 2 of Second Peter and we hung out there for a while. And if you remember that chapter, that chapter was all about false prophets. And one of the greatest dangers against the church is false prophets, false teachers, false shepherds. We covered that a little bit as in John 10 about the false shepherds of the day. But we see false prophets all through the Old Testament. And if we look that these false prophets are leading people astray, They're not calling for repentance into the narrow gate through Christ and upon the narrow way. But they are claiming many ways, not claiming repentance, but leading people upon this way that is broad. We see this in the Old Testament. One of the examples that I like to use we find in the the book of Jeremiah where if you see that uh, God had sent Jeremiah in and his message was to the people there and the leaders to say that your, your sin and your rebellion is going to bring about this destruction of Jerusalem. You are going, the temple is going to be overtaken. You're going to be in exile. You need to repent because this way is narrow. It is not live how you want any way you want. It is a narrow gate. It's a narrow path. It is repentance. It is trust in Christ. It is carrying your cross. It is this narrow path. And as Jeremiah goes in and he begins to proclaim that word of God, he says, there's not peace here. There is a problem. There needs to be repentance or this will come about and upon you people. That was what the true prophet was saying. But the Bible tells us that there were false prophets of that day. And do you know what their message was? Don't listen to him. They would say, peace, peace, when there was no peace. And they were leading these people astray. And the word of God came to pass. They did not repent. They did not listen to the true prophet of God. And we know that they went into Babylonian captivity and the temple was overtaken. Jeremiah was calling for repentance, and the false prophets were saying, you don't have to do that. Everything's fine. There's peace. But there wasn't. I believe so many of these false prophets, teachers of today, they, with all their might, are not just pointing people, but willingly giving them the shove down this broad way. Look what 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 through 22 says. Here in this, in these verses here, before we go to 2 Peter, here in Matthew, what does he say? He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing. They don't come to you dressed in the wolves' clothing. That would give it away. That would be so noticeable. They don't come in that regard. They don't come in that manner, but they come disguised. They come in sneakily. They come in hypocritically. And they're ravenous wolves. They want to destroy. 
Remember the false shepherds of the day? They wanted to kill and steal and destroy. And the false prophets, they are ravenous wolves. They don't care about the truth. They don't preach the truth. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why it's so important. Have you ever heard this before? Doctrine doesn't matter. Theology doesn't matter. How do you know when you're being led astray? How do you know what the truth is? If you don't know the truth, you fall for the lie. How do you know? Theology matters. Doctrine matters. So when someone that is a false prophet or a false teacher begins to speak, your radar goes off and you know that's not right. But people don't know. They don't care to know. Theology gets a bad name. Doctrine gets a bad name. Because what's being taught is we just live by our emotions and our feelings. It absolutely matters. Paul's gonna, Paul says that as he's leaving the Ephesian elders. He says, when I leave, these people are going to come in and they're going to destroy, they're going to try to destroy the people here. Hold on to what you know. Hold on to what I've taught you. And the thing with these false prophets is they disguise themselves. They look innocent. They sound innocent. But they're ravenous wolves. They're found in churches. They're found throughout religious events and circles because they're there to destroy. And their message is attractive to so many people too, isn't it? It's about yourself. Hey, there's live how you want this broad way. You know, this is how it is. God's loving. It's okay. I mean, think about some of the books that are bestsellers now. You know them. Living Your Best Life Now. That's the broad way. That's not repentance. That's not self-denial. That's not exclusively in Christ and obedience to Him. These false teachers push and they push and they tickle our ears and tickle people's ears because that's what they want to hear. The ravenous wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. This is what 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 through 22 says. Listen to this. Speaking of false prophets, but these like unreasoning animals born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They have they are stains and blemishes reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed with the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey speaking with a voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. What a, what a, what a verse. That the, black, the blackness of darkness reserved for false teachers and false prophets, their condemnation and their wrath will be great. As you lead people astray, as you profess the name of Christ and lead them astray. 
It says, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires. The broad way. The broad gate, the broad way. They entice by these fleshly desires. By sensuality. Those who barely escape from the one, from the ones who live in error. Promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man has overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having known it, turn away from the holy command, commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. False prophets will point people down the broad way. Promising their fleshly desires that can continue. Denying the exclusive nature of salvation. This is the danger that faces the church. The false prophets are unique because their attack is not from the outside of the walls of the church. It's from the inside. And we must be prepared and we must be ready. How do you know who they are? How do you know? Well, first, you know, you have to know doctrine. You have to know the things that are of God so you know and can call it out and stand for truth. You can contend for the faith. But how also do we know? The, the Bible gives us a clue here. Jesus himself tells us we will know them by their fruits. It says we know them by their fruits. And that's because as appealing as their false doctrines may be, as uh, elaborate and, and fancy as their outward uh, words may be or how they profess, they're not inwardly changed. So they can't hide their true motives. The true them will come out because the fruits that are produced by God are only produced by the Spirit of God. You've heard of the fruits of the Spirit. Man cannot produce those things on their own. It is done by supernatural means of the Holy Spirit. That's why they're called the fruits of the Spirit. If one does not have the Spirit that has indwelled them and changed them, they cannot produce these spirit or these fruits of the Spirit. That's the fruits. We'll know them by the fruits. We know them by their actions and the lives they live and what they teach. They are leading many astray. But following them leads to the broad gate and the way of destruction. You remember we read in Second Peter there where it says they, they, they're leading people to these wells. People are dry and thirsty. And these false prophets are saying, follow me. I, I'll, I can lead you to what you need. And then they come to these wells and they're barren. They're empty. There's nothing there for their soul because we know who the well of living water is. We know where that living water comes from, it comes from that narrow gate, which is Christ. This is a warning that he gives his disciples. Beware. He's telling his disciples this. The ones that are walking with him are hearing his teaching firsthand. Don't you think we need to hear this too? Beware of the false 
prophets. Because as long as we are living on this planet, there will be people that profess to be a Christian that are not. There will be people that profess to be prophets that are not. We must be on guard because they are nothing but ravenous wolves. And we must know the gospel. We must know the truth. And we must keep an eye out for their fruits. He says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We find similar language to that in John 15. Where it says this in verse 1 through 6, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire. And they're burned. You see, we cannot produce any fruit unless we are abiding in Christ. If we're anchored in him, we're in union with him then the Holy Spirit indwells us and we produce the fruits of the Spirit. And without Him, you can't do that. Without Him, you don't produce fruit, the good fruit. And it says here that anything of that sort, He takes those branches, He gathers them up, He casts them into the fire, and they're burned. He's talking about hell. That's the final result of these false prophets. You'll know them by their fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 tells us the fruits of the Spirit. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And against such things there is no law. We as Christians are to keep with bearing the fruits of repentance as the life of a Christian is repentance as He prunes us to bear much more fruit. That's how we know them. What they're teaching, how they're living, the fruit that they're bearing, whether it be good or bad. And only those who are changed by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, can produce these good fruits. We have to be on guard. Can we listen to someone and determine if they're speaking the truth? There's so many people in churches today, they hear lies coming from the pulpit and they have no idea because they don't know what the Bible says. They don't know. All they know is what 2 Timothy tells us in verse four, or chapter 4. They'll gather around these people to tickle their ears, to tell them what they want. And you know what people want to hear that aren't regenerate? I can still travel down the broad road. I can still go down that broad road because this guy at church told me I could. I don't have to give that up. I don't have to repent. I don't have, I can keep living like I want. What a great road this is. And God still loves me the same. He loves me unconditionally. And they're being led astray. 
walking down this broad path straight to hell. The church must be aware of false prophets. These are the two things that he tells us in this passage, or these passages tonight. He compares these gates, and then behind the gates, the paths that follow. One is wide and one is small. One path is narrow, one path is wide. One path is by nature what we are traveling on, and one is by supernature what we are transformed to travel on through the power of God. One leads to eternal damnation, and one leads to eternal life. The question is, which one are we on? Some of the most terrifying verses in the Bible are coming up. In verse 21, 22, and 23, There's many people who think they're on the way to eternal life, but they've never passed through the narrow gate and they're not traveling down the narrow path because that's exclusively through Christ and Christ alone. The question is, which path are we on? We must examine ourselves. A profession of faith doesn't put us on that path but a possession of faith does. The broad way is the easy way. As this is the path all of humanity's feet hit running from birth. We hit that path running from birth. It's easy. That's who we are in our fallen state. This is the path we love. This is the path we are on until while we are born in this world. And only through the mercy of God and the grace of God and faith in Jesus, who is the gate, can our path and our way change. And we know that this way that is narrow is tough. It's filled with heartaches and trials and persecutions, even though false prophets will tell you otherwise. What do they tell you? Listen, you just come to church because God wants you to have the best job in the world all the time. You're going to get promoted every week if you just claim it. That's God's favor on you. No, that's not what God's favor is. God's favor is that He showed you grace and brought you to life. Oh, be a Christian. All your health issues will go away. That's not the case either. Oh, your bank account will overflow because God wants everybody to prosper in this way. And people love that broad way. Those are false prophets. The narrow way is hard. The narrow way is filled with persecution because that's what Jesus tells us the narrow way will be filled with. Persecution, heartache, struggle, pain, suffering. That's the narrow path. That's what happens when you follow Christ. It happened to him. He said it will happen to his followers. This path is full of all those things, and it involves self-denial. It involves carrying your cross, even to the point of death. It's the path that's least traveled. 
And you say, wow, that doesn't sound like a very appealing path. Why would I want to be on that path? Why would people in churches want to hear that that's the path to go? Because the destination. And not just the destination. Have you been blessed on this journey? He's blessed me along the way. He showed me mercy and kindness. I've seen the glory of God. I've seen Him, him answer prayers. I've seen Him be real in my life. I've seen the just... I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't take it back for the things I've seen in this world that is full of sin. And I'm thankful for that. As I know Him more and learn Him more, what a blessing that is. But this way is hard and narrow and few that be that find it. But why is it worth it? Why is it worth it? Because of the destination. It's the greatest destination that any creature could arrive to. This destination is dwelling with God, seeing Him as He is, and having eternal life. That's what the narrow path brings. For the gate is small, the way is narrow, that leads to life. Do you ever get discouraged on this narrow path? I bet if we're all honest, we could say, yes, we do. Sometimes it is tough. We take the brunt of people. We take persecution. And sometimes you may just want to sit down because the journey and the path seems too rocky, too many roadblocks in the way, too many potholes in the roads. And if we're not careful, we may get discouraged. But let us be encouraged to keep putting one foot in front of the other because in front of us is the shepherd. And at the end of this road, I promise you this, it will be worth it. That narrow path will be worth it because we will be forever with Him. Forever and ever, we will be with Him. Is that worth it? It's worth it to me. And only those who have entered by the small gate can one day enter the most magnificent gates, the gates of glory. That's the destination. So keep walking. The destination is worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your words that we've heard tonight. We thank you for the truth that are in these words and these verses. Lord, what a reminder that we need. That this is not our home. This, we are exiles. We are, we are pilgrims and strangers. We're passing through. We are the minority in this world. But Lord, let us be bold in our in our walk. Let us stand for truth at all costs. Lord, let us know 
that you are walking with us. You never leave us and you never forsake us. And Lord, when we get discouraged, know that this path, although it is narrow, the destination is worth it. The destination is eternal life. The destination is to be with you forever. And Lord, let us stop tonight and again contemplate how we are even on this narrow path. It was by the supernatural hand and mercy from you. Because we were plenty content in loving the broad way that we were on. And Lord, every step we were taking, we were walking straight to hell. But through your supernatural working, you have transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and you have put our feet on this path. And Lord, we follow you now at all costs. Through the smooth terrain, through the rocky terrain, through everything. Because one day we will arrive at our eternal home. And it will be worth it. So we thank you for this. And God, keep us in your word. And let us beware of these false prophets. As we know them by their fruit. And God, we pray tonight that you would prune us. Shape us. So that we could produce more fruit. Through the help of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.